Texas, twas on the 9th of June, 1862 on a summer's afternoon. I took the bus from Barbara's, she was heavy laden, and I wear a rifle on Collingwood Street that's on the road to Bladen. Oh, me lads, you should have seen us running, passing the bus along the road just as he was running. Hello and welcome to CHN Radio. I'm your host, Greg Troxel. This is episode 108 coming at you on this beautiful January 2020. This is our first 2020 podcast. Uh, a little delay in getting that to you because we were drunk. Um, We've sobered up a bit now. Now we're just hungover. Uh, so joining me as the best damn co-host in the land, Elijah Newsom. Yeah, um, that was kind of loud how I came in. Um, to say that we were... It didn't sound like it. Oh, thank you. Um, I don't know if I'd say I'm completely sobered up, but, you know, I'm here. Um, needed a couple drinks after uh, Newcastle's uh, weekend, but, you know, it'd be like that sometimes. It really do be. Life of a um, Newcastle fan. Yeah, you can follow me at NUFC underscore Greg. You can follow Elijah at Elijah underscore Newsome. It's true. And, hey, if you haven't checked out com, you have to. Um, we are uh, – there's articles on there now. So, um, in the past, we've told you to go there, and there's just been these podcasts. But there's a lot of articles on there. Um, I started a new preview series. It's pretty fun. Uh, Greg is in the thick of his day after series. Um, he's got a, a bi-weekly report that's also been out. That's really good. Um, yeah, so, and I'm still looking for what to name that. So if you guys think of names, let the me bisexual know. report. <laughs> I don't actually. The, we'll we'll not, we'll table that. Um, and if you're interested in seeing what Greg and I and many of the other guys on CHN Radio talk about uh, when we're not doing this podcast or tweeting. We have a, a new series that I stole from Dirty South Soccer where I just posted one of our Slack conversations because it was interesting. So give that a read. Um, Greg makes some good points. I make some – I make points. Um, and Mirza makes good points. Oh, and Graham Bell wrote something. So yeah, <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. Graham, who has a kid. People forget. And beat cancer. And published a book all within the last year. Shout out to Graham for real. That's wild. Yeah, it's a wild life in Graham Bell's world. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll have to get him on the podcast soon. He actually he asked me about that, and okay. we have to do that. Yeah, uh, Roberto Rojas asked me to come on the podcast as well. Mm. So, yeah, we'll we'll have to wait on him. Yeah, like, I told him I was like, dude, we've told like <laughs> forty people that they could come on the podcast. We're so popular. Yeah. <laughs> was, he was like, oh, we'll figure it out. I was like, yeah, dude, just letting you know, it might not be till 2022. And Miguel yeah. Amaro might be playing for Real Madrid by that point. But You're you're on the wait list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. We're going to get in some club news today. Uh, there's a good bit of it. We are in January now. It is transfer window time, so it's always an exciting time. The one thing that we're missing so far is takeover rumors. Oh. But it's there's still time for that. Luckily, Joe um, DeGrosso basically did the opposite of what the Ben Syed group did and was like, hey, just so you guys know, um, there's no chance that I actually take over the club because Mike Ashley's <laughs> a possible deal with and saved us all the trouble of like wondering whether or not we're going to get taken over. So shout out to Joe. Yeah. 
Big Joe. Joe DeGro. Mm. Um, so we're going to do some club news. Then we're going to recap the FA Cup tie against Rochdale. The Dale. And that's it. Yeah. So uh, let's start with club news. And the first thing I want to start with is, Elijah, You can you please sing happy birthday to Andy Carroll? Happy birthday to you. You live in a zoo. You look like a hipster. But you don't smell like one because you're big and Andy Carroll. That wow. didn't rhyme. But it Tremendous. Was, Bars. Yeah. Bars. I, 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 I didn't know what to say after you look like a hipster. Because, like, I don't think Andy Carroll would smell like a hipster. So, Not when you have that money. Yeah. You're not allowed to smell bad when you're rich. Yeah, That's you like just can't. That's a role that I have for people. Dolce & Gabbana cologne, anyone. Andy yeah. Carroll. Definitely. Anyway, it is Andy Carroll's birthday. Uh, he turns the tender young age of 31. Of course, born in Gateshead, local boy, uh, 6'4", 170 pounds of pure muscle, and he will fight anyone. And so, uh, shout out to Andy Carroll. Happy birthday. Yeah. Happiest of birthdays. Uh, next thing, Elijah, give us a little recap on China. So, um... As you know, because Newcastle rarely have actual news, we like to talk about people associated with the club. And one man that we love on this pod is our very own Rafa Benitez. And uh, there's been a bit of a snag in China during the offseason. Things were going well, but it has been revealed um, that the property developer, Dalian Wanda, who's a local real estate company, property developer, in the Dalian province, where Dalian Yifang is, um, was a major uh, backer of Dalian, Dalian Yifang. They have just pulled their investment. So um, it's kind of a big deal um, because they owned, you know, I'm assuming they owned close to half the club. Um, so they were pumping in a lot of money into the club, and a lot of the stuff that Rafa was pitched was based on huge investment. So the new training ground, uh, investment in youth academy, all that kind of stuff. And uh, that's now in trouble, in jeopardy, potentially. And then additionally, uh, Salman Rondon came over on some pretty expensive wages. And um, losing a major investor like this could put his future with the club in doubt as well. We could possibly see him return to the Premier League. Um, So that's just an interesting little snippet. I'll definitely keep following this story and see where it goes. But um, it's certainly an interesting one because um, if a club just kind of reneges on their word in terms of investment one could argue that Rafa Benitez could renege on his word and you know come back to Europe and coach uh Newcastle United that'd be sick I wonder how many of them are relieved if that happens like oh my god thanks I get to leave China (laughs) I don't know man yeah uh, I don't know it's just it's just not really paradise is it so (laughs) there's there's you're right I mean, I've I watch a lot of food shows and like a lot of them go to China because the cuisine there is like renowned, um, interesting cuisine, very different per region. There are definitely beautiful areas, but like you're either in living in the middle of nowhere or you're living in a city with like a shit ton of people. There's no in between. So no, I would no. imagine that you're right. The quality of living there is probably not amazing, but the money you're making is well worth it. You know, and and then there's like some human rights issues, but I mean, other than that, well, not uh, if you're a footballer. 
Probably Unless you're an great. Islamic footballer, then maybe you got some issues. Yeah. But you know, anyway. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, what's going on in China. Besides the actual trouble in China, um, yeah. <laughs> Rafa Benitez. China from a Newcastle perspective. Yeah. For um, anyone who's thing, wondering, the Hawks lost. By the way, they they uh, gave up a ten zero run in the last two minutes, and they lost by like nine or something like that. Anyway. The next thing is the fourth round draw for the FA Cup. Our nemesis fourth round has happened and we drew oxford united at home some people i saw well it is it is a favorable draw for newcastle side but we did lose to them two years ago yeah and uh and the uh steve bruce truthers will tell you that um don't forget rafa benitez lost to them yeah yeah but to be fair we played like I, i wrote about this in the preview for the first rochdale match um, and Rafa tended tended to play like his, his cup rotations were not strong lineups, but like it was worse than not being a strong lineup because he would play guys that like were training with the U twenty threes and like just hadn't played first team football the entire season. Um, and so it was like we, they were always viable to lose because you just had youth players that were playing okay in the U twenty threes that were playing. Um, Jamie Sterry, Longstaff made his debut um, playing in a cup match. And then you just had like guys like Henry Saive and Rolando Aarons who like were so bad that you couldn't loan them out. So you had to play them in these cup matches. So yeah. I don't know. I think we could beat Oxford if we get past Rochdale. I would hope we could, um, especially because I think Steve <laughs> Bruce will play a strong team. Yeah. Um, next thing is St. Gucci Max. When's he coming back? Could be soon. Could be soon. Um, Could be. There's a... Steve Bruce kind of touched on this. Uh, he was asked about this. And apparently, um, ASM's been doing well in his recovery. Um, potential that he could make a return this week. I would hope not. Um, you don't want to chance it. But there's potential he could return this week. Um, if not this week, potentially next week. In limited action with the Rochdale uh, tie. Wow, that would be great. It would be. It'd be um, having boost. Matt Ritchie back too helps. Yeah, Matt Ritchie being back is huge um, for a number yeah. of reasons. One is um, he, he's the heart and soul of this team in many different ways, but also people forget he's a winger. And like, there's just so many times Newcastle just would need another body and attack or another winger in general. Um, just to give some guys a rest, like ASM, for example. Um, I don't know. It just opens you up to some different possibilities when you don't have to force Matt Ritchie to play left wing back. Um, you could rely on an actual left wing back in Jetro Willems. So, anyway. Um, but, yeah. Moving on. Kel Watts. Mm-hmm. He returned to action this past weekend. Uh, he yeah. played. Um, so, shout out to him. He was battling a knee injury, I believe, Greg. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yep. And he is now back. So yeah, him. he's back. Uh, he's on loan. If you didn't know, he's on loan. The Stevenage was one of the better loan players. The the winners right now are still Freddie, even though Freddie's starting to come off a little bit. Um, and then Liam Gibson, Kel Watts, and Dan Barlasar has raged right into the contention. Um, Dan Barlasar is killing it. That's so, good to know. Yeah, for he's at Rotherham. 
and he scored a goal. He scored like a banger. He's been the he's their player of the month. Like I, I've searched his name on Twitter since like I've heard like he's been doing well. So I was like just checking to see what the best way to tell is what are the supporters thinking about him, and they're like singing his praises. So uh, good for him. He played in the FA Cup against Hall City and did really well. He looked like he was up for the challenge. They lost three to two, but he was he played the entire match and looks good in it. So good for Dan. Greg, what what are the good odds any of these uh, loan signees um, have a, a solid spot in the first team next year, either as a rotation player or um, potentially as someone who could work their way onto a consistent bench player? Are there is there any chance of any of these guys making an impact next season? Yeah, there's a 10% chance, and it would be only for Freddie Woodman. Yeah. And that's if Dubrovka goes. Well, I mean, you could would you put Freddie Woodman as your backup keeper over Carl Darla? Uh well yeah, but that's that's the problem. Freddie doesn't want to be a backup keeper anymore. He was a backup keeper last year for us and didn't play. That's that's fair. Yeah, didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. And he said his biggest complaint was like I just I just want to play. Like so send me out alone. Like I don't want to sit on the bench. Yeah, um, we did. Yeah, well, um, that's good. And uh, so it's now time for a, a great segment on this show. Um, oh, yeah. One that usually uh, in the summer has been really active. But now that we're in January and there's less weeks to do the BS meter, the BS meter is pretty lengthy today, Greg. And as, as always, I'll give some people... Um, I'll give the people a little bit of background on the players, where we are in the transfer, and then I'll, I'll turn it over to Greg and see if he thinks it's reasonable. But, um, Greg, before we start this off, what are the big needs for Newcastle going into uh, this transfer window? Just from your your tactical eye, what are the, what are the missing links for Newcastle right now? Uh, the, miss, the missing links? Uh... What well, are you? Can we just do like what I think they should do? Well, yeah. I mean, that's what I asked you. Okay. Um. So I think striker is number one, mm-hmm. and I would move Big Joe into a winger position. Oh, you you would know that if you read my my copy and paste of our Slack conversation, because Greg <laughs> yeah, did say or that. or my Newcastle United report. Oh, that's true. So people uh, read; it's good for you. <laughs> yeah. So I would I would say that is my my number one option. Okay. And then from there, I would want a young, creative box to box midfielder. Okay. And then a winger in that order. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think Newcastle just based on what you've said. I think they're trending in two of those three directions. Um, I don't know if we're getting a young creative box box midfielder. Um, if we get a midfielder, Steve Bruce has said a lot of times he wants a destroyer type player, um, almost like you know, pretty much like a Modiame type player. And we've been linked to a couple guys. Ibrahim Sissoko has been one that's been thrown around for a long time. Um, very raw, athletic talent in France. Um, but right now, this is what I have in terms of transfer rumors with 
a little bit of weight, some of them not as much as others. First and foremost, one that Newcastle fans actually really would like to see is a loan deal for uh, one of two players, um, Olivier Giroud, which is the first one, or Michy Batshuayi. Um, of course, loan deals for either one of these players somewhat makes sense. Uh, Chelsea are doing well with Tammy Abraham as their main number nine. He's pretty much playing every single match with Batshuayi um, and Giroud coming on as subs. Batshuayi has played a little bit more than Ab- uh, sorry. Batshuayi played a little bit more than Giroud, um, so it looks like Newcastle would be interested in bringing in Giroud in on loan. I guess the big barrier here would be getting a replacement for him um, from Frank Lampard's point of view, but. Olivier Giroud, World Cup winner, BS meter, Newcastle. Um, I think this is a a bullshit PhD. Mm. It's bullshit that's piled high okay. and deeper. Okay, to explain. Oh, I, oh, oh! I see what you did there. That's actually that's clever. Yeah, um, he's not going to come to Newcastle, and yeah. the reason is because he's going to go with a consistent winner. Instead, there's going to be one of those available. It's probably in Italy, and he's just going to go there. Funny you say that. His preferred destination is Inter Milan, who, of course, yep. are in Champions League right now. He would be playing second fiddle to Romelu Lukaku, but he would be the first off the bench playing Champions League football um, yeah. and contending and Lukaku, for a title. Lukaku's streaky, yeah. too. So, there's a, yeah. so that's down. a good shout there. Um, staying in Italy, uh, we are linked <laughs> to two AC Milan players right now. Um one to bring in on loan, one a potential purchase. Um, the first, a guy to bring in on, on a loan, bring in on loan is Piacek, who um, has a pretty hefty price tag, apparently around 31 million euros, um, which makes sense uh, if you've been living underneath the rock. Piacek was like the guy uh, at AC Milan last year after everyone was making a big fuss about Patrick Catrone. Piacek was the guy who just took off and became just a sensation there, scored a ton of goals, had a really cool finger gun celebration, and the fans were like saying boom, 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 boom as he was celebrating. It was a lot of fun. He's a fun character. Um, But uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic has moved to AC Milan and has pretty much assumed the starting striker role for that team, which has somewhat put Piacek uh, in danger of losing his starting position. Um, So BS meter on this. Kind of a loan deal is kind of what I'm reading. Are you seeing anything different? Do you think this is somewhat feasible? Um, this is a two-year degree in mm. bullshit. Okay. Uh, it's it's not clearly not that great of a bullshit bullshittery. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're a little bit on the truther side of things. Yeah. Uh, he that the point is exactly Zlatan's there, and this guy's not going to get much of a stick and then also he's not doing well so um yeah there was a reason they brought in Ibrahimovic a 35 year old player who just lit up the MLS so um yeah yeah Piacek has not had the best season Serie A a retirement league yeah I (laughs) hey you heard it here first on CHN radio I tweeted that out when they signed him I was like you you can't you cannot say anything about the MLS when like you took a guy who you made fun of for coming to MLS and calling a retirement league. He then went to sign on with one of the best teams in Italy who is trying to contend for a title and then is immediately given a start. Like, I don't know. I'm sorry. You just can't. 
Did you hear about Zlatan's yeah. uh, statue being cut down as well in Malmo? Yes. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, he, I mean, I don't know what he expected by buying shares in their rival club. So, Oh, I didn't know that's why they – I just thought that they didn't <laughs> yeah. like him. That's... He's part owner of their rival club and the club that just resurrected a statue of him. Well, uh, The club that made him who he is, and he now is part owner of their most hated rival. <laughs> That's that's sheer dumbassery. So they burnt, they tore his statue to the ground. That's that's that reminds me of like Steve Bruce, who is from the Northeast and said he's a Newcastle fan, and then coached Sunderland. Yeah, but turned down Newcastle. That he would but have played except, for Newcastle, and we would have put a statue up of him. Yeah, first. I know. I said it's al- It's like Steve Bruce is almost like that. But yeah, he's missing the club legend part. Um, yeah. Anyway, another player that we're linked to, AC Milan, um, which is a straight... This is like... This This one is... It's not... This will be... If this happens, this will be similar to my love for Miguel Amaron. Like, a guy I just want to see succeed because I use this player... Like, this was my go-to in, like, FIFA 18 and 17 when he was still affordable and you could buy him from Leverkusen. Hakan Shanalagu or Shanalglu... I, I don't know how to say his name. Um, he is an attacking midfielder, um, a guy I always bought for Newcastle, um, and Newcastle have su- apparently submitted a bid for him. Um, an AC Milan player uh, plays mainly on the left side, but is a guy that, one, is a set-piece specialist, specialist sorry, set-piece specialist, similar to kind of John Joe Shelby, dangerous in the free-kick areas, dangerous on corners, um, can play across the midfield as a cam central midfielder, Left mid, right mid, left wing, right wing, uh, two-footed player. Just a really good signing. Uh, something that you don't really anticipate Newcastle doing. Similar to like the Alan St. Maxman signing where it's like, huh, you're kind of shocked Newcastle made a good signing for a good young prospect. Um, so, yeah, thoughts on this? Greg? I think this is believable. It's kind of a similar situation to Piacic. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not doing well, and the supporters don't really like him. So, uh, yeah, I could see either of them leaving. It's just a matter of like, are they going to contribute? I, I think either of them could be possible. Yes, and I think it's interesting. Um, I think a change of scenery is always good for players uh, who are struggling at their certain clubs. Especially, it's it's interesting that they're struggling this year because both did somewhat well for Milan last year. Um, I mean, Piacek was like, oh, now a fan favorite, and Shinoglu, I think that's actually how you say his name, was was starting multiple matches for them. So I think the quality is there for them to do well, um, but it's just a, an odd season for them, and a change of scenery could be nice for either one of them. It'd be cool to see one of them or both of them here at Newcastle, but I mean... Ultimately, to me, I think I, – I don't know if Newcastle are going to spend money this window. I think uh, if anything happens, we'll bring in some loaning, loan signings. It'd be cool if we spent money, but I doubt it. Um, <laughs> next one, this is getting a little bit interesting. Uh, this is Francisco Trinsau, um, who is a Portuguese player um, and is a right winger. He plays for Braga um, and can play as a right winger. Uh, he's also played as a left winger as well and a second striker. Um, but he's 20 years old, 
Uh, Newcastle apparently had an 11 million, well, sorry, there was an 11 million euro bid submitted for him that was rejected, and Portuguese outlets believe it was Newcastle United who submitted the bid, um, which makes decent sense. Um, that's right around his value according to transfer marked. Um, but yeah, he's a young player, 20 years or 20 years old, um, had having a decent season so far. Nothing to write home about. But, you know, yeah, thoughts? Yeah, um, you know, this is funny to me. And, like, as you're bringing these names to my attention, like what I, I've just been, like, Twitter searching each of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, the fans are slaughtering this guy. And some people are saying, and which is the same trend as, as every one of the players you've said so far. So does Newcastle just look for players that are getting roasted by their fans and, like, just no. tries to get them? No, I think Newcastle are scouting through, like, like there's an, a really interesting series that um, the Dirty South Soccer guys do about, like, predicting the next Atlanta United transfer using Football Manager. And, like, they're actually right. I'm pretty sure they got Miguel Anmiron... And uh, Ezekiel, I, I know for a fact they got Ezekiel Barco, and I'm, they got Pity Martinez as like one of the players that like they've predicted a lot of transfers just based on like this guy is a promising talent in South America that could be somewhat affordable and is the best player at his club, and Lady United could go for him. I think Newcastle are doing the same thing, but with FIFA, they're just looking at a bunch of guys with high FIFA potentials, and they're like, all right, well these guys are probably going to be good. Even though they suck right now this season and the fans hate them, they'll probably be good. I think that's I like I it sounds like a joke, but literally every single player that we are linked like that you will read here is a guy on FIFA who has a high potential. Yeah. And it's like it's one of those things where FIFA says there's a, there's a high potential for them, but the fans in real life, like if you look at any comments on them or any Reddit threads about them are like the potential here is way too high. Like these guys are not actually that good. But, I don't know, this is another guy where I was like, this is a dude who's a another FIFA wonder kid. This is very weird. And it makes sense that Newcastle are going after him if the fans hate him because you could get him for cheap. And they might, they might yeah. have overspent in the summer. Who knows? Well, he does have a $30 million release clause. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, assuming not paying that, uh, then, yeah, I, it could be could happen. And, and let's be real. Um, he's from Portugal, and he's plays for the Portuguese youth team, national team. Yeah. So um, I don't know how much he'd want to leave Portugal to come to Northeast England. But, but it is the Premier League. League. He will. Yeah. You can always throw that out there. Like, because there's been a lot of players, you're like, why would you go there? It's the Premier League. Um, another interesting tidbit is just the 11 million euro price is it makes sense. Um, because if you're thinking about pre Miggy, pre um, ASM, pre Joel Linton, Newcastle for attacking players would spend in that eight million pound to eleven million pound range. Think about Jacob Murphy was a, about a nine million pound signing. Muto was a nine million pound signing, which translates to about that eleven mil, mil euro mark. Um, so I, that the price point seems to make sense. If Newcastle think they can get him for relatively cheap, and he could be a dynamic player, um, then it, it kind of makes sense. I, I'm I'm kind of like 
I'm about this transfer in the sense I think Newcastle have definitely inquired about this player. But anyway, um, and then this is a probably the least likely out of all of them. Uh, Steve Bruce was asked about Luke Matheson, who, if you watch the Rochdale match, we'll get into that in a sec. Um, he was instrumental in them getting back into the match, a right back for them, very good, and has played well in the FA Cup um, and in the Cups in general. He's been one of their best players as they took on Man United earlier in the season and as well in their previous FA Cup matches. He's just been really good for them. Um, and Steve Bruce mentioned that there's potential that we could take a look at him, send some scouts out, that kind of stuff. But super young right back could be one of those those guys like uh, Deli Ali that you just find in the lower leagues that turns out to be really good. Yeah, he's 17. He's young. He got the assist on the goal. Uh, he's only 17. Uh, yeah. Wow. He... He, he plays with the confidence of, like, a 23, 24-year-old. Yeah, I'll say he looked more confident out there than Joel Linton. Which <laughs> well, is, yeah, people weren't, you know, chanting yeah, ridiculous things at Luke Matheson, though. That's true. Um, all right, so moving on. I mean, this is that's actually one that you I wouldn't be surprised if Newcastle are sending scouts out there for that. Um, and we only got a couple more um, to spare the people from this segment. Um, Omar Coley is another player that we were linked to earlier in the in the uh, in in the week, kind of last week. Plays center back and left back. Twenty seven years old. Plays for Sampdoria. Um, doing a lot of work in Serie A, um, but is a regular in their first team. He's played all over. Genk. Played in Sweden. He's played in. Like, this looks like Morocco or something. I don't know. Some other country. But, yeah. Anyway, it started pretty much every match for Sampdoria. Left center back, center back type player. Left back. Any thoughts on this, Greg? Uh, yeah, I could see us doing that. Um, just because it's our probably strongest position when healthy. And why not waste our budget on another one? So, yeah. That's my thoughts exactly. Newcastle don't need one, but I could definitely see Newcastle spending money on one. Yeah. And then, of course, the one that actually kicked off the transfer kind of silly season, um, Alfredo Morelos, the very in-demand Colombian forward who plays for Rangers, um, who are right now pushing for potentially winning the Scottish League right now. So shout out to them, um, making it interesting between them and Celtic. Um, Newcastle interested in him. Forward uh, can also play on either side of the wing. Twenty-three years old, um, Colombian international. Almost too good to be true because he's a highly touted prospect with like a forty million pound uh, price tag. Newcastle are linked to him. I don't know if it's January, but if you were to say maybe in the summer, because it looks like Rangers are probably not going to sell him in January. Oh. Is this something that's even possible, Greg? He's a he's a hothead too. Um, he got suspended, or no? He's yeah. I think he got suspended. He scored a yeah. goal. Yeah, he got suspended. Against Hibs, and then did the up yours celebration to their fan base. Would so you're saying um, he would be a perfect fit in Newcastle? Yeah, uh, people would love him. But I honestly, I would be shocked if he did well in the like the Scottish League is League One, like. Yeah, Rangers and Celtic aren't. They're way better than that. But the rest of it, 
yeah, it's not that good. Yeah, um, it's so, one of those where you, if you look at, I'll say he, this: he would he would get knocked off the ball at every chance he gets in in the Premier. League. It would be a huge shock for for him. It would be, and maybe, and I I, I hate saying that because like I don't want to doubt players' abilities. I mean, what's he, he plays for Rangers? Like, what's he can only control the people he plays, and if he's destroying them, then he's doing his job. Okay. But, like, I just don't think he'd be good enough. All right, well, I'll give you some stats, and let's see if you ta- if you change your opinion here. So, Scottish Premiership so far this season, of course, considering the suspension, 18 games played, 12 goals scored, 3 assists. Average time of playing, 80 minutes, that kind of stuff. Um, Europa League, qualifying and regular league, 14 goals, 4 assists. And then in the League Cup, two goals, two assists. 14 goals in Europa League. Nothing to snuff at. But again, it is Europa League. But it's good. I think I would be concerned if he wasn't performing in Europa League. Because, like you said, if if you're one of the best prospects in the Scottish Premiership, you can't control your playing. But when you have the opportunity to play competition that is arguably better than who you're playing against... You want that person to perform, and 14 goals in Europa League is not anything to snuff at, to say the least. Uh, well, it could be. I mean, okay, you're playing against, I'm guessing... Like, who was who he playing in those? Okay, well, now you're, ask, you're asking a lot from me here. Let's see. Yeah. Let's see, let's see. Um, well, that's not helpful. I mean, I know right now, if you're looking at Europa League teams, I want to say Leverkusen's in there. Yeah, but they were... They were bounced they were out from Champions League. Like... All right, so let's see. Okay, so here he's played against Feyenoord, Young Boys, Porto. That's it. That's their group, is Feyenoord, Young okay. Boys, and Porto. In qualifying, he played... Qualifying at eight goals. Right now in Europa League in his group, he has six goals. Qualifying is okay, not great. Well, then that's decent. Yeah, qualifying, yeah, qualifying is not is great. A joke. Yeah, it's St. Joseph's FC, which sounds like a high school team in New York, a Catholic school, and then some team called PR Niederkorn, FC Progress Niederkorn. I guess they're in the Belgian I need, League. I need some corn. Yeah, and then a team I've heard of, FC Mid mid Thailand. I forgot what Midgetland. Yeah, there yeah, that team they've actually got they've had a decent record with like uh youth players that are somewhat decent and they've got a FIFA wonder kid on their team and they dominate uh I think what are they in this the Turkish league? No, Den- no Danish league, Danish. They're league. D- Denmark, yeah. yeah. They in Copenhagen. <laughs> they have 50 points so far. That's crazy. With the plus minus of 19. Anyway, so he's he's played some decent teams. But like yeah. you said, but this is another player though, where he's not the answer for the Newcastle system right now, because he's not a hold up midfielder. Like we would have to change our system in order to suit suit this guy, because he's more of a pacey type player. Imagine a front three of like him, ASM and Almiron. That's like a very pacey counter attacking team a la Leicester yeah. when they won the cup. Like, you're not really swinging in balls to those guys. You're just looping balls over, and they're just beating defenders with their pace. So that's an interesting one. Um, I personally don't think it will happen just because I think the price tag's a little too high. Um, allegedly, we already have spent $60 million this past summer, so I, I just don't know the validity of the price there. And, you know, 
there's some there's a lot of really good teams linked to him as well. Um, people think he's a real deal. So anyway, that's all I got. Um, we can kind of talk about this somewhat boring match after 35 minutes of delicious content. Yeah, let's let's talk about the FA Cup match right after this break. Newcastle won, Rochdale won. Embarrassing, completely. And we're going to talk about it. <laughs> um, so let's do that, Elijah. Um, first thing, and it, and it comes with this with every cup tie, is what is the manager going to do about lineups? And Bruce threw out the strongest possible lineup that we have available. <laughs> And it was interesting. A league one side. <laughs> it was interesting. I think the only way I, you could have made it stronger is if it was Andy Carroll and Joel Linton. Yeah, yeah. And to be fair, I think that Newcastle would have well, won if it was Andy Joel Carroll Linton, and Joel Linton. Joel Linton was in there. It was just Muto. That yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, if yeah. it was Andy Carroll instead of Muto, it would have been the strongest lineup possible. Got it. Yeah, got it. And I think um, we would have won, but that's another discussion. I said this in my day after, but I just wanted to bring it to people's attention. Um, Rochdale, they uh, their logo, their crest. It says the Dale underneath mm. it, mm-hmm. and the Dale. When when I hear the Dale, I think of like a six year college student, and his fraternity brothers are chanting his name at a bar, and he has like four shots lined up on the bar, and like that's like his alter ego, and like he's doing shots, and they're like Dale, Dale, Dale. And they're like, oh, the Dale's out. The Dale's out. I just, that's how, that's what I think of when I hear the Dale. When I hear the Dale, I think of like the, like the hidden cafe on a college campus, both also college related, but it's like, it's like, that's the, that's like the, maybe it's in the library or something. It's like, oh, that's where you go. Or it's like that late night spot at a college campus where it's like, they're the only place open at like two in the morning when you're drunk and you need food, you hit up the Dale. That's and what it's I on, think. like, Dale Street. Yeah, yeah. Some, well, I don't know why. <laughs> that's why people will call it that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, could I be. I, that that could happen, too. Yeah. Anyway, um, Rochdale. <laughs> They're the a League One side. And I think the expectation. A bad one, too. Yeah, not a good one. Um, to be fair, I have to say, I like their manager a lot. That's good. Yeah, I mean, he has a really funny name. Um, but I do like that he's, like, aggressive. Like, his defense is terrible, but, like, they attack, like, constantly in League One. And it's, like, one of those where it's, like, it's, like, almost, I would honestly compare them to, like, a shitty Man City, especially this season, where it's, like, the defense is obviously an issue, but they're, like, we don't care. We're just going to still, like, just try to attack because they score a decent amount of goals in League One. They just, like, don't defend well at all. So anyway, so shout out to their manager for being innovative in that sense and having a funny name. Um, but anyway, it's a it's a match where in my preview I thought we would win three one with being it being a confidence booster for players that need confidence. I said Miguel Amaro would score, which he did, and I said Joel Linton would score, which he didn't, and I said Sean Longstaff. This was a chance for him to make an impact, and guess what? He didn't. Um, so. To be fair, to like in all honesty, this this should have been a three one win or three nothing win, and it wasn't, Greg. So uh, well, I guess yeah. we'll hop into what happened, why it wasn't a three nothing win. Uh, it was bad. That's what happened. Oh, okay. Uh, just to say, the starting lineup it was Dubrovka, Yedlin, Hayden, 
Fernandez, Kraft, Atsu, Maddie, and Sean, Almiron, Muto, and Big Joe. So let's get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and and I think we'll, we'll soon at least mention the the bench. Lewis Cass was on the bench. Tom Allen and Alliance Sorensen was on the bench. Also, Ludwig Frantzelet, he traveled, and I thought he was going to make the squad, but he didn't. He tweeted, name, he tweeted he like there. he made the squad. He was like yeah. grateful for the opportunity to be with the first team. And I was like, wait, I didn't even see your name on the, the list. Oh, okay. Yeah. So while we're on lineups, two things. One, um, Elias Sorensen. So um, there was a lot of talk about Elias Sorensen and why he was named to the bench. And from my understanding, Greg, how the loan rules work is that you can only play for two teams in a season. Correct. Uh, yeah. So I think uh, uh, that's that's what everyone was saying. So everyone was wondering about bringing on Sorensen for Jolinton because everyone hated Jolinton at that moment, and there was a lot of talk as to he wasn't being brought on because of that reason. And it just begs the question: like, why even aim him to the bench if you're not going to play him at all? Because like, if Bruce were to play him, there's no chance that Sorensen could have been loaned in January to a different team, or et cetera, et cetera. So, I don't know. You're a youth team guy. I just wanted to hear your thoughts on Sorensen being named to this team and pretty much, like, having this, I wouldn't say a guarantee, but, like, a high chance of just not playing due to the fact that he just can't play for two teams and more than two teams in one season. I obviously don't have the, the, the answer, but I can tell you what I think the answer is, mm-hmm. and it's not that. Well, I think the answer is it's purely a confidence thing. And if Elias was to get in, it's not. it wouldn't have mattered because, let's be honest, he's not getting another loan. He he was a, at a bottom feeder League 2 side and barely played. Nobody's interested. Yeah. I can tell you that right now. If you're making a January loan, it's for a player that's going to immediately improve your team, and you can't guarantee that by loaning in Sorensen. So he's not getting a loan. If he does, I'd be so shocked. He's going to be a U23 player for the rest of the year. Yeah. So there was no risk of that in my mind. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think he would play. Uh, I think the reason why he's on it is solely to build his confidence just for the club to say, we still believe in you. Um, the player that would have gone in would have been Tom Allen because he's the guy scoring. He's the guy doing the work in the U23s, and he's the captain. Um, he's he's doing the business. So, um, Oh, wait. Am I thinking about the right person? No, you're right. Yeah, Tom Allen. Yeah, no, you're right. Tom Allen's a beast. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on it. I don't think Elijah, Elias, <laughs> not Elijah. Uh, but I'm sure you do fine too, Elijah. Yeah. Um, and I guess the other thing about this formation um, that I want to talk about is the fact that Newcastle played with one true center back in a back three, um, <laughs> which was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like that wasn't talked about enough. I think immediately when people saw the back three, their first thought was, "Why are we going with the back five? Like, we we should be we shouldn't go against the back five with against the league one side." And I want to I want to make clear in the first half, this was a true back three. Like Christian Atsu and DeAndre Yedlin did zero defending. They were essentially midfielders um, that were playing it like they were essentially wingers. Like they were doing zero defending. They had all the ball, and they were able to travel well. And all. So I just I want to get that out of the way. But, Greg, the back three of Isaac Hayden, 
Federico Fernandez, and Emil Kraft. Was interesting to say the least. What are your thoughts on that? Just the fact that Isaac Hayden, clearly not even a defender, uh, was playing as a center back, and Emil Kraft, traditionally right back, traditionally right back, was playing as a center back. I honestly have no idea what the hell was going on there, but whatever. It was one of those things to me that, like, I saw it and I was like, you look at the injury list and you're like, well, I mean, that makes sense because I have the injury list up here right now. Kieran Clark, Fabian Scherer, Jamal LaSalle, Javier Manquillo, Paul Dummett, all injured. So it's like, you would have to play at least one player who is a center back out of position. Like you, oh, sorry, one player out of position playing as a center back. So it was interesting, um, to say the least. But it was a bold dis- decision by Steve Bruce, and it worked in the first half. I guess I, I can at least yeah. say that. Um, yeah, the first that's the first thing that I noticed is that three at the back, and then the other thing is Atsu absolutely ravaged the left side of the field. Yeah. Destroy, like dominated the game, he took over. Um, it's safe to say Atsu is better than a League One team by himself. Yeah. Um. So the whole first half, it's summed up by literally Atsu dominating and Jolinton missing a lot of chances from Atsu. Uh, the first te- fifteen minutes, Newcastle had eighty-two percent possession, which is Weird. very odd. Yeah. Um. And I would say before the first goal. It's Atsu 1, Yedlin 2 as the most effective players on, on oh, the pitch. Oh, 100%. I would even say after the first goal, it's the same. I mean, Miggy was great, yeah. but, I mean, if if anyone else scores that goal where it's still 1-2, Atsu, Yedlin, I think Miggy gets the bump because everyone wants him to do well. But, I mean, both of those guys are just so Well, impactful. on the goal, it was Atsu that yeah. made it happen. Yeah. And, and let's talk about that. Okay. 17th minute. Almiron gets a second goal for Newcastle. He's now tied for second place for most goals this season for Newcastle United. Good. Um, <laughs> Behind John Joe Shelby, who had four goals in four matches and has five now. So good yeah. for him. Um, but that's who made the difference. It was Fernandez that started it. So he, he intercepted the ball and he got it out to Atu. And Atu ran all the way down the left, destroyed the right back once again. And it was another low cl- low cross. Atu was hitting those low crosses the whole first half. And it found Almiron, and he put it in the top left corner. It was a great goal. one nothing Newcastle. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a great goal from Almiron. I, it, it's it's kind of funny um, with Almiron. Um, the goals he's scored are just way harder than the goals he's missed. <laughs> like, yeah. we're talking about a left-footed volley into the top, like, to the, to the side netting. For his first goal. And then this one is a left-footed shot to the roof of the net. Two very difficult chances in terms of, yeah. like, placement. And then he, like, misses the the one-on-ones with the keeper that you could just, like, chip the keeper. Or you could just slot it somewhat past the keeper. Or you, you shoot and somehow it hits off Alan St. Maxman. Uh, so, I don't know. That was the, my big takeaway from Almiron. Um, but, like you said, it was a Christian Atsu show. Um, Newcastle were absolutely dominating going down the wings. Uh, there was really no answer for Rochdale um, on either side of the pitch to the point where they had to sub on Matheson um, in like the 35th minute, which was in a very aggressive sub. It was very aggressive. Um, 
in order to sure down Atu's side. And Atu was a little less impactful after that, but still was able to have his way. Yeah, and short, shortly after the goal, and this is where a lot of the frustrations came in, is Muto won a ball in the midfield, and he was able to, to feed it to Jolinton. And then, if you remember, he was cutting in and out, got the defenders off of him, and curled a shot that just missed the target. Um, that kind of stuff, it leads to the frustration, and he was a big talking point of just him not being good enough for the price tag. Uh, those things, you just got to hit the net. Like, yeah. you make the goalie, make the save. Even if you hit it right at him, I wouldn't be as mad as missing it wide. That's one of those it's where... Inexcusable. I'm not mad at him. I'm not mad at him for that chance in Premier League because that was one where it was it was close. It was just outside. Maybe he misses it by a couple of feet. I'm not mad about that in the prim because in the prim you have to make you have to be so precise in your shots that it's like you have to hit the side netting, you know, with some of these keepers. Like if you're going up against Pickford, if you're going up against um Allison, like you have to hit the side netting because they're gonna be able to cover so much of the goal. But against a League One keeper, if you get it on target, and that was what I wrote in the preview, if you get it on target, there's a chance that keeper makes a mistake and you just have a goal. Like and so in that in that situation, you want Joel Linton just to get it on target. And he didn't there. And then I guess another chance that comes up later on, um, it more like the I want to say late thirties, um, Yedlin sends in a ball a delicious ball to Yoshinori Mito. And he's yep. like that was my next thing I was going to say. So you go ahead, take it. He's literally one v one in the with, with the keeper, defenders trailing, and hits it just straight at the keeper. And that's another one where literally anywhere else you could you could hit it at, and it's a goal. And um, I think I said this to Greg off screen. I think the most frustrating part about this match is that Newcastle could have scored four goals in the first half, or four or five goals yeah. in the first half, and. They just didn't, and it was kind of like, um, what was it, the, the Leicester match that we just played before this? Yeah. Where, yeah. like, Newcastle had a ton of chances in the, at the end of the first half, and it's like, you get one of those, and it's a different game completely. Um, I think that's the most frustrating thing for me out of the first half. Yeah, uh, there wasn't a lot of negatives, but the negatives... For me, were Muto and Jolinton. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest, I think everything else was positive. Um, so it was halftime, one nothing. We should be up way more than a goal. And the second half started, and it was pretty black to start. And then this is where things changed. 53rd minute, eight minutes into the half, Muto comes off for key. <laughs> oh, he's on the team, I forgot. Um, it was interesting because... From here, Bruce changed the formation to a 3-5-2. So Almiron went up alongside Big Joe, and Key was sitting behind both of the long staffs in the midfield. Um, so that was the new formation, and it didn't work. So like going back to our formation talk, like 3-5-2 didn't work against the League One side. Like It's not going to work in the Premier League. So, and I, I granted, like Almiron's not a striker, but you know, that it wasn't his fault either that he was put up there. Yeah. So however, like like Atsu still did his thing. Um Atsu still attacked on the left hand side relentlessly. He demanded the ball. He sent in 
Uh, another cross right after that sub that uh, hit connected with Joe right away, and of course he didn't score. The Dale, the Dale just wouldn't let him score. He was wasted from doing shots, but still getting them. Um, and then another sub, Richie for Almiron. Um, and this is awesome because mm-hmm. Richie's back. Yeah. And he moved yeah. into the left wing back spot to just push Atsu even further up the field. Um, what's your thoughts on, I guess, to this point? I think, um, I think things change after a, this. a little bit concerning <laughs> Almiron goes off, but it's one of those things where you look at how the match is played and, my first initial thought when Almer goes off is, okay, I understand this because, like at this point, you just want this one, you want this one no lead, and you want to just see this one no lead out, um, and you don't want to waste and potentially injure players like Miguel Almiron that you need for the Premier League, um, so yeah, just see this out. I was expecting Almiron not to play the whole match. My expectation was really that we were up 3-0 and we could bring on, like, Thomas Allen or someone to relieve Amaron. And it's like, you know, you get a a young guy getting to play against the League One side and it's fun and all that kind of stuff. Um, But, you know, Richie coming on was great. Um, I'll say he looked a a bit... He looked like he was was coming back from injury. Um, There was was some some missteps on his behalf, but the the energy from him was there. Um, The... The tenacity, all the stuff that we love Richie for, was there, and I'm excited to see him back in first in, in the first team, it, even if it's on the bench. Just like the mentality he brings to training is things players on this side talk about a ton, especially now that we have a little bit more access to the players through YouTube and um, through just quotes and stuff. Like everyone just talks about how much Richie works in training, and and that's just going to be good for the mentality of the team overall. So it was good to see him back. Um, but a little bit of a concern because apparently Almiron went off with a, a slight injury. Yeah, exactly. Which is not um, not what you want to hear. No, uh, I think I think he'll still be he'll be fine though. By the way, but uh, after that, the momentum completely swung to Rochdale's favor. Yeah, um, and this is this is the part where the Dale has had a few shots and he's feeling himself. Mm-hmm. That's that part. That's where Rochdale was. And all of our chances dried up, and it all of a sudden looked like we were a League One side. I won't say that Rochdale looked like a Premier League side, because I don't think they ever did. We looked like a League One side. Yeah. Um, and then it was, I think, like 15 minutes after that sub, uh, the goal came. Is Wilbraham, a 17-year-old, assist a, a 40-year-old in scoring. And they – and. I it sucks to say, but they deserved the goal the way they were playing. They did, and it was a Jolinton turnover that started it. It's it's inexcusable to be doing this against this team. I don't care where your confidence is. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to like absolutely slander the guy, even though I want to. But um, it's completely inexcusable, and there's no place for playing like that against a team like Rochdale. But he turned the ball over, and they immediately attacked down the right. And forty-year-old scored it. It's embarrassing. That's my take. What's yours? Um, my take is that I said the only way Rochdale will score is through the forty-year-old. So I was right. So I hit <laughs> two out of my three predictions. So um, I'm just saying. Good day for you. Yeah, man. honestly, solid day for me. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the forty-year-old has been their best player, and is actually interesting. I did a little bit of Greg Troxel statting. And, like, they literally were on this horrendous run of form 
um, that was literally fixed by the fact that they got their 40-year-old back because, like, they just weren't scoring goals, and then he came back, and he scored, and boom. Like, it, it's – it's he's their, he's their go-to guy. Um, Rochdale definitely deserved this goal. I think the players I want to focus on this is everyone because, like – I think Newcastle Twitter, it's easy to pick and point fingers at Joel Linton, and we'll get into that a little bit after this. Like, I, I definitely think the slander is somewhat deserved. But as a whole, this team took a massive step back in the second half. And, I mean, there are players that are definitely Premier League quality that just were not playing like Premier League quality. You can, you can argue... Isaac Hayden playing out of position. You expect him to, to drop in quality. You can argue Emil Kraft, a player who everyone's uncertain about and is not a is not a center back. He he's dropped in quality. You can argue that you know no, you can't argue anything else actually because Joel Linton should have been better. Sean Longstaff should have been better. Maddie Longstaff should have been better. Key should have been better. A key a South Korean international who was the captain of the the South Korean international team. I'm sorry, like, League One is the level, is about the level you're playing against in all your Asian competitions against China. It's like, you, he should have been a better player in, in, in this match and just was not effective. Sean Longstaff, you're, you're a player who's linked to Manchester United for a 50 million pound transfer. Like, there is no reason why some of these players should have been playing as poorly as they were in the second half. And I think that's the bigger story. I think everyone wants to focus on Joel Linton. But, like, the biggest story is just how poor Newcastle were as a whole in that second half. It, it's, it's just unacceptable. Yeah. Uh, that's it. That's that's the match. We couldn't muster up anything in the final 13 minutes. First half was great to see. You would think that Newcastle was going to run away with it. Um, but they... They, the, what happened is, honestly, is after we made our substitutions and switched to a 3-5-2, Rochdale adjusted, and it was at the hour mark. I think it was actually the 60th minute where Rochdale changed their formation. Mm-hmm. And Steve Bruce didn't do anything to counter, and they were dominating, and we did nothing to change. And we have to play another match because of it. So uh, that's going to be on Tuesday, the 14th, in Newcastle, so hopefully we can win that and go on to face Oxford. Guarantee you, uh, Andy Carroll plays that match and Jolinton's dropped. Yeah, I'd be. I'm. I'm more interested to see what happens this weekend if because Vandy Carroll plays this weekend, then I don't think he plays on Tuesday. I, I I'm going to argue with you, Greg, and say I think he does because. Steve Bruce had he Steve Bruce dug himself into a hole by leading off his Newcastle uh, tenure by saying we're going to compete in cups. Like you just like as the manager he says we're going to compete in cups, you have to play your right now your best pure number nine in back to back, even if it makes no sense. I don't know. I, I'm I'm just saying I'm I think it's going to happen. Like I think Andy Carroll will play against Wolves, and I think he will play next week against Rochdale. I just think he will. I, I mean, it is start nice. or play because that's different. I think he will start. Like, uh, who? Else yeah, will... I don't think a manager is going to come into a press conference though and say, ah, "I'm not really going to, not really looking forward to winning cups." though. so. I'm just saying, but it wasn't even that. No one asked him about cups. 
He said he wanted to go for cups. Like no, because Rafa said that too. But let's be honest. But but with R- Rafa said he wanted to be. But then like you immediately saw that that was not actually his priority. Steve Bruce fielded out a strong lineup and for both cup for all of our cup matches. And so and he then talked about it multiple times throughout the throughout the fall and now into the spring. And I don't know. I feel like you just have to play your best players. And I think he will, like, it's, and Greg, I understand what you're saying. It doesn't make sense, and it's this terrible decision, but it is also Steve Bruce. So I I think that it's possible that he would do something as ridiculous as playing Andy Carroll two matches in a row. Yeah. Like, it's one of those things where it makes no sense to us, people who actually, I'm not going to say Steve Bruce is no football, but people who like are thinking about these types of things it makes no sense to us but to Steve Bruce if he wants to move on in the cup and to be fair like like you said and like we both mentioned earlier this is Newcastle's best chance of getting past that round of four, that that fourth round like because if you win this match against Rostov you play Oxdale, Oxford sorry Oxford United and you can field a strong lineup and you can get to the round of 16 like I don't know. I just feel the pressure is going to be on Bruce to play Andy Carroll, and he will. Um, I mean, also, I could see Bruce taking the Wolves match as a calculated loss, but that's a, a whole other story for um, the pod later on this week. Yeah. Speaking of Steve Bruce, he said, if you don't take your chances, this type of thing can happen in the cup. Rochdale made a cup tie of it. The loss of Almiron and Muto took the edge off us, and all of a sudden we weren't a threat anymore. For as good as we were in the first half, we were disappointed in the second. I do think a couple injuries was too much. Our frailties were there for all to see. We don't score enough. It should have been out of sight. <clears throat> Five games in 15 days. People question whether your training methods are right, but nobody can train. They just recover. Um, all, he was asking about the availability of Dwight and Andy. He said both are injured, both not right, one with a groin issue and the other with a hamstring problem. Very difficult. And then stats. Miguel Almiron, Martin Dubrovka, Emil Kroff, Joel Linton, Ki Sung Young, Matty Longstaff, and Yoshinori Muto made their FA Cup debuts for Newcastle United. Congrats, guys. Good for them. I mean, it would um, really be great if they actually had made an impact. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Amron did score. And I said this stat earlier. He's second on the team with two goals this season. Um, who scored ranked each individual performance? Um, so I'll just name the ratings of players that had a seven or higher. And those players from the best to lowest are Christian Atsu, Miguel Almiron, DeAndre Yedlin, Yoshinori Muto, and Sean Longstaff were the players of the seven or higher rating. It's interesting that Muto was on it. I honestly was not that impressed by Muto, but, I mean, who scored? They are the geniuses, so, sure. <laughs> um, oh, and uh, my last stat is Sunderland are in the same league as Rochdale. That's a, a stat. Also, Miguel Amarog has scored one more goal than um, Sunderland's best player against Rochdale. So, that's cool. Oh, yeah. 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 So, 
Cool. And he has two more goals than Sunderland have in the Premier League this season. Oh. Good for them. So, best and worst? <laughs> yeah. Sure, let's do it. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, to, it. so for the sake of transparency, Greg didn't watch this match because it was at 4 a.m. So I don't think any of you would have watched this match. Greg, do you even have a best and worst player, or are you just going to piggyback yeah. off me? Yeah, I have a worst player for sure. Okay, who's your worst player? And a best player. Who's your worst player? Is Emil Kraft. <laughs> okay, that a very fair response. Um. <laughs> uh, but he's playing out of position, so you know it is what it is. I, I mean, I was. It's very easy to pick Jolinton here because I think he was the worst. But Emil Kraft did close to nothing, and then it was his lack of aggressiveness that led to the goal. But um, I don't know. That's all I have to say there. My best player, I'll just say it. Well, and then you can do yours. It's it's Christian Atu. I. Loved on him enough during our recap, so I think that's no surprise to anybody. Yeah, I'd say my worst player. Um, and uh, after this, I definitely want to have a, a decent discussion on Joel Linton, and just because I mean, there's not really much else to talk about here, and we don't have three, qu- we don't have questions, so we have time to discuss this. Um, my worst player, in my opinion, is Sean Longstaff because I expected him to be better. Um, because this is a guy who dominated the youth team, like dominated in the cup matches last year um, and then dominated in the Premier League and this season has got off to a really rough start and you feel like you know this is the match that can get him back on track and really have him push for a first team spot um, and and he just didn't do anything to warrant him being named to the first team like if I watch that match, as a neutral fan, I look at Sean Longstaff and wonder, like, all right, well, he's clearly a bench player. Like, there's no way that this guy is a first-team player because he just was not impactful in a midfield that just featured guys who were just not as good as him. So, I, I it's unfair of me. Sure, you want to say that, but, like, I'm sorry. If you're going to be this gassed-up youth prospect that Newcastle fans feel like should be on the England national team, like then you better perform against a League One side. Like, I, I'm sorry. It, it, it's 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 despicable that he wasn't good. And then my best player, I'm going to go with DeAndre Yedlin uh, because uh, this was the first match DeAndre Yedlin has played since I have seen him play. And I've watched him since he was playing in Seattle and playing for the U.S. Men's National Team and playing for Newcastle. This is the first match where DeAndre Yedlin delivered more than three good crosses. So I'm going to give him my, my best player. America. It's true. Um. So, Greg, real quick, Joel Linton. So, I think I think it would be rude of us as a podcast not to discuss Joel Linton because he is the hottest topic right now amongst Newcastle fans. Do you think that Joel Linton's struggles are a result of his own ability, or is it a result of Newcastle, particularly Steve Bruce, not using him or putting him in the best positions to succeed? It's definitely both. Okay. Um, and here's here's what I say. He's 23, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 23. Which which isn't young in soccer anymore. That's like middle-aged. 
Um, that's like approaching your prime. I would I would uh, argue it's still relatively young because there is there is like if you think about it, there's very few really good young players under the age of twenty three. Uh, oh, seriously, I, I'm guessing Rashford, um, Zhao Felix. You mean in the Premier League? If we're going Premier League, can you well, name th- that's five not the players point. that are I- really good under the age of twenty three? I'll I'll get to my point. My my point is this: is is everything he touches turns to absolute dog shit. Okay, that's turns fair. To shit. That that is miserable. A fair point. Like he can't take a pass. Occasionally, he's had some good hold up play. He's not successful in passing. He oh he wins a header or two, but never gets it on target. And one goal. I mean, you you could take if I put any of the so I go throughout the Premier League, and I take each team's number one striker and put them in the lone spot and have them play for Newcastle, probably sure that all of them, all to, all 19, would score more than once. I'm, I'm putting this out there very confident. Uh, so there's a lot of individual issues there. And it could be that he's maybe out of position. Maybe he's not a natural nine. And that's what I got to. So a plug for me is on my bi-weekly article, it's one of my observations is what – is Jolinton's best formation. Like, where where is he best? And, like, he only has one real start at the winger position. And that's what I want to see more of with him. Um, he had the most shots in that game. Mm-hmm. He had the Very best shot. chance of getting assists. I mean, he every, everything was up for that game. And it could go back to, to being bad again, but, like, that's where I saw the promise. And he had those two back-to-back games, one where he started as a striker and was moved to winger, and one where he just started and played the whole match as a winger. And that's when people were like, wow, Jolinton's actually playing pretty good now. Yeah. Well, And it's because yeah. he was out wide. So it, it then that's the side where maybe Bruce isn't using him the right way. Um, it is eye-opening to see. It's also not extremely surprising because, like, Rafa – I mean, I, tr- I trust and believe Rafa, and he didn't rate him. He didn't want him. Um, so that's something that's interesting, but yeah, you can, you can easily blame this on all side, all parties. Yeah. Yeah. I, and for me, which is a cop out, but I really think it's true here for me. I I think there, I'm with you. I, I want Joel Linton to succeed because I want all Newcastle players to succeed because that is good for us. Um, but I'll, I'll say this at Hoffenheim, he was never used as a number nine. He just wasn't. We talked about this on our preview for Joel Linton. He was used as a secondary striker or an attacking midfielder. And so it, it, it does somewhat fall on Steve Bruce to use him correctly. And like you said, there are moments where we saw Joel Linton being used well. And those were moments where he wasn't playing as number nine. So as Steve Bruce, you have to take a moment and recognize, hey, what is the best position for this player it may not be the number nine. And I'm going to go a step above and say, that's not Steve Bruce's fault. There's an element of, if you're Newcastle and you need a striker, you should spend your 40 million pounds on a guy who is actually a striker. 
not a guy who is played as an attacking midfielder or as an or as a secondary striker or as a winger for another club and then rebrand him and package him as a striker that that's just not good business so if Newcastle had spent their 40 million on Piacek and Piacek wasn't doing well in Newcastle then I would put more blame on 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 the player because the player is a traditional number nine and is not performing at the level that we want them to but in this case Newcastle bought a guy who was not a number nine in the sense that we know it hold up play long balls crosses in that kind of stuff and then has said hey you need to play this position that you really don't play actually at all and you're going to be the most expensive signing in our club history that's a lot of pressure to put on a guy who's 23 so i i think i'm leaning towards more on the club but i mean like you said there's certain things that you just have to do against a, a league one side and, and it doesn't help our case i it, you can i can make my same argument two weeks ago and people would agree with me but when you don't perform well against the league one side it's a, it's a bit concerning to say the least um other than that i think um there's still plenty of blame to go around amongst the whole team um especially in the second half i'm interested to see what happens in the replay Mm. We all are. Can't wait. <laughs> Do you have anything else, Elijah? I mean, not really. I'm I'm excited for Wolves. I'm excited to see what we do. I'm excited for the January transfer window. Um, Greg, I, I know that we've talked about this piece a lot, but I definitely want to hear and like your your words and give you the space to explain given the current squad what is Newcastle's best position because I personally think that um and this is my strongest belief and my biggest issue with how Newcastle approached the season is that you have good talent but you have not set up you've not set up this talent to succeed in the best way just due to the fact that who you have at manager I think that a, a formation change is warranted because I think that there's a way to get the best out of Andy Carroll, Miguel Amaron, Christian Atsu, and Joel Linton by having them all on the pitch at the same time, and it just hasn't happened yet. So I just want to hear your thoughts. Uh, we, we talked about formations and, and whether or not you would make a change or what you think the best formation is. So, I mean, I want to give you that space to address the podcast audience on that. I, I mean, I've... I've been pretty adamant that the same, the best formation is the one that succeeded under Rafa and the one that succeeded this season. Uh, it's the five four one. Um, it's the only way that works. We get slaughtered in every other formation, so the five four one is the only one where we're actually productive, and we're still not good in that formation. We're we're very much overachieving our expected numbers, mm-hmm. but it's the only formation where we're doing well. And we're giving up the least amount of shots. We're giving up the least amount of goals per 90 minutes. And we're scoring the most per 90 minutes in this formation. So um, the reason why we're not doing it right now is because we don't have the depth to counterattack, which is what is necessary in that formation. As soon as Saint Gucci comes back, guess what formation we're going to run? 5-4-1. Yeah. Um, and everything might be right in the world afterwards. Who knows? But he, he provides us the ability to to use that formation successfully because of the ability to counterattack 
and teams aren't going to be as aggressive offensively against us because of that too. So there's a lot of factors to it, and it, it it's it really just relies on him. I I guess my follow up question to that would be. Is there an element of, do you think Newcastle would be better this season if Steve Bruce wasn't, weren't the manager? I think. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you because I think, like you said, the essentially copying Rafa's tactics is going to net you safety. But if we had a manager like almost anyone else in the Premier League, Frank Lampard, I mean, Arteta was a guy that we were linked to that chose ultimately not to come to Newcastle. A player, a, a guy, not a player, but a, a manager that Newcastle fans were slandering, but has proven so far to be a, a somewhat tactical genius. If you if you give him the players we have now, I think that there's a, a level that we Newcastle could be a top ten side with just the pure talent that we have, and I think that under Steve Bruce, we're never going to reach that potential. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see that it's a lot of Steve Bruce really wants to move us to an attacking side, which we're not, and he's tried it different times. He's tried different formations. Like when we got destroyed by Aston Villa, he went to a 4-4-2. Like the team just can't do it. And unless you're going to give like ample instruction and yeah. very specific tactics yeah. that's my thing uh, is 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 it the team because i think the team like quality wise i think the team could be an attacking side you look at the fact we have yeah really i think we have really good ball playing center backs and another issue is we hired sievers so late in the season yeah i mean in the offseason yeah. too so we didn't have a full preseason to like instruct his players. I, I do I think mean, that there's an element of instruction that just is not. I, I don't know. It, it's. I, I personally believe talent wise across the board, Newcastle have players that can can contribute and be and make us an attacking side in terms of football. Because you look at the guys we have in the midfield, Sean Longstaff was looked like a decent attacking midfielder or midfielder that can create. Um, last season, John Joe Shelby, we've seen this season, a guy who can spread the ball out, can ping balls, all crazy balls. Miguel and ASM Joel Linton, a front three that you and I have both mentioned multiple times that could be deadly. And you have some really good ball playing center backs. And for the first time in a while, Newcastle have a really good attacking left back. So Newcastle could be an attacking side. I personally just think that Steve Bruce is just not the manager to lead us to that attacking mindset and for now it's just going to be defensive football which will net us in the Premier League but at some point Mike Ashley has to look at what he has now and and try to convince a a more progressive manager to come in and and take over the club because I think Newcastle can get to that level of Wolves or get to that level maybe not Leicester but at least the Wolves in terms of like attacking football where you have guys who are who are disciplined in defense but can also go forward and I don't I don't know what it is about Steve Bruce but he just cannot figure that part out. Yeah. But yeah, that's all I have. Greg, you have anything else? No. All right. Well, that's it, man. That's a that's a pretty good episode, I'd say. 
Yeah, definitely is. Um, so that concludes episode 108 of CHN Radio. I'm your host, Greg Troxell. This is the best damn co-host in the land. Eliza Newsom, and you're listening to the most beautiful song in the world, Coming Home to Newcastle. We'll see you later this week, and away the lads. Love you. If you never win the cup again I'll pray the dark at St. James's Park If the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home And I'm proud to be a Jody And to live in Jody land Some people think we're 40 And we're hard to understand And they say it's just self-pity and we're not so very tough Cause the people in the big fat city Haven't had it tough as rough I'm coming home, Newcastle You can keep your London wine I'd walk the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of the river Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound And me mother saying, hey, how we I'm coming home The old blind busker who stands at Fenwick's door He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before And I love the Geordie heroes, there's so many famous names Like Lindisfarne in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gates at Games I'm coming home, Newcastle, I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown nail I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the cup again I'll brave the dark at St. James's Park, at the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home, Newcastle, you can keep your London wine I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of the river tide I'm coming home, Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away Kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother seeing hey how we I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown nail. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll brave the dark. It's in James's Park at the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm